Today, I want to share a message, have you exchanged gifts with God? And uh, I had uh, three weeks ago, I got to speak at a Bible study, a home Bible study for a group of people, part of a Lutheran church on the book of Hebrews. They had done a whole series on the book of Hebrews. And then they thought that it would be interesting to hear from me about why did the writer of Hebrews have to address those issues? So he wanted me as a Jew to speak and say, why is it that those were topics and things that were necessary for them to he hear and to help them? And so I had done that years ago and was excited. So I had that study. And then like two days before, he says, oh, I hope also you're going to throw in something about the offerings from Leviticus chapter 1 to 5. Just because I'm Jewish and I'm a rabbi, everybody thinks I'm an expert on the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, all these Christians. And I sat there and thought to myself at first, wait a minute, it's just real simple. There's five different kinds of offerings, and Yeshua fulfilled them all. That's it. There's nothing more I could say about that. And I said, all right, well, Lord, he, he sent me the question and asked me about it. So I said, all right, God, I'm going to read the chapters, do a little research, and... Uh, I believe that just God put it in my heart that there would be something he would show me. And he did. And when I looked at it, this was the theme I got. Have you exchanged gifts with God? And I said, oh, this would be a good December message. Because this month, I mean, Jews, Christians, and not just Jews, Christians, but people all over the world, not just Jews and Christians, but others are giving gifts to family and friends this month. And I said, oh, this would be a great message for December, but Rabbi Steve already scheduled me to speak about Hanukkah. And he asked me to speak once a month, so I said, um, that's it. I said, well, I guess I could try to get in January and say, we just did this a few weeks ago. And then Tuesday night, I get a text, can you speak for me Friday? And I said, okay, and I know the message I'm supposed to finish. And so uh, that at least gives me some confidence that this is, a message that God has for us, looking at the theme of gifts. And uh, what we have here is in Leviticus 1-2, it says, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord. All right, you bring an offering. And so this man had talked to me, what can you teach us about offerings? And if you look there, I've got the, uh, the words bring an offering in Hebrew, below the English, and I put a few of the letters in Hebrew. And even if you're not fluent in Hebrew, you can see that the same letters in blue are in two different words in the same sentence. In the same verse, the word for brings and offering have the same root word. And I looked it up, karban, karban, something brought near the altar. So there's bring, and as well, a sacrificial present or a gift, an offering. And then I did, I used this book called the Theological Word uh, Book of the Old Testament that I go to to study Hebrew. And it said basically this root of this word karban denotes being or coming into the most near or intimate proximity of this, of an object or subject. The drawing near renders the subject close enough to this object to see it, speak to it, or even touch it. And so an offering, a gift, what this means is we're saying that most near and intimate. 
you have an offering, a gift, and this allows you to get close enough to be intimate with someone else. And this is what the word for offering, carbon, is all about. An offering is a present or gift that people bring to God, which allows them to get intimate and close enough to God so that the person in God can see each other, speak to one another, and touch one another. This is God's desire. He's provided a means for us to get close to, with Him. This is what He wants. And so some texts, you see it simply in Deuteronomy 5, Go near, kirav, and hear all that the Lord God may say. And so we're to come near Him so we could hear Him. God wants to speak with us. And so he tells us to bring an offering, a gift, so that we can get close to him. Then, Isaiah 8. And I went, Isaiah says, the echrav, and you see in the blue it's the same letters, the kaf, resh, and uh, the, the bet. I went to the prophetess, and what? She conceived and bore a son. The same word for gift and offering. I went to this prophetess. He didn't go visit her to have a conversation with her. He went to this prophetess, and she had a baby as a result. It talked about intimate and close. That's what this word conveys, that when we have an offering, a gift, we're able to be as close as possible and intimate. And this is what God desires for us to be close and intimate with him. In his offering, Karbanu, it's a burnt offering from the herd. He'll offer it, a male without defect. Offer it at the doorway of the tent. Why does he bring an offering? That he might be accepted before the Lord. To be accepted, that's the whole purpose. This offering here, when you bring an offering to God, you're accepted, admitted, or allowed to go into God's presence. When God welcomes you into his presence, he means that he likes and accepts your offering or gift. You brought him a gift, and he likes it. He accepts it, and so he says, come, come close and be with me. And as I was thinking of the word gift, years back, Rabbi David Levine, who's in uh, Jacksonville, was up in Rochester, New York, when I was there, and I remember him sharing, uh, I think it was Proverbs 18, it was one of the two, a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. In 19.6, many will seek the favor of a generous man, and every man is a friend to him who gives gifts. If you want to get close to God, bring him a karban, an offering, a gift, and God will welcome you in 
to his presence. And offering, he perceives that as a gift. And therefore, he responds by inviting us into his presence. Now, was it Ron when he was uh, mentioning that there was an offering there and he used the words that there would be food, he said, into, into God's storehouse. Food into the storehouse. The temple I was reading, is uh, they use the words domestic. I read in one teach in a domestic setting. One of the, the phrases that comes up over and over is the house of the Lord, speaking of the temple there in Jerusalem. And when you actually look at the furniture that was used to worship, this idea of house and even food makes sense. And here are some of the items of worship. What do we have first, top left, an altar? What was that altar used for outside in the courtyard? They would place what on that altar? An animal. And what would they do with it? It wasn't a nice little couch to relax and rest after a hard day of work in the field. What did they do to that animal? They burned it. They cooked them up for dinner. I mean, there was the burnt offering consumed, but the rest, they got to eat. This was a grill in God's house. It was there to cook up the animals so that then many of them afterwards would get to be eaten. Then on the bottom left, that labor, what did they do with that? They got to wash. It's a mess. You go cooking, you go outside on the grill, you got to finish. When you finish, you have to wash. Our kitchens, our homes, we've all got sinks. The same purpose, to wash ourselves. And then after that, you can go inside, and in the center, there's a table, and what's on the table? Food and drink. There's food and drink. They're getting to eat. Somebody gets to eat. And so we have that there. And then on the bottom right, there's another altar. No animals lay on this one. This altar then burns incense. And what does the incense symbolize and represent? The prayers of God's people. And as that incense is going up, it's a symbol that the prayers that we've prayed are going up to heaven so God can hear them. There's communication with God in his house. We get to interact and speak with God. And then we have on the top right, the menorah. Candles. One very practical, we need light. If you're going to be anywhere, any room indoors, you've got to have some light so you can see. All rooms, kitchens, every room needs light. But God's romantic, and so candlelight for God and us. And you look at the furniture that was inside the temple and the tabernacle before that. It was a house, and even the kitchen it was a place for food and fellowship with man and God. This is his desire to eat with and fellowship and to interact with his people. This is what he desires. And so God told us, our ancestors, to bring a karban, an offering, a gift, 
into the house. And what do we see? The gift was what to God? A soothing aroma. A special gift or please an aroma. I like that picture. It's soothing. Calming. Comforting. Peaceful. This is how God felt when he smelled this, the offerings there in the house. Because we have a problem, sin. Sin presents a barrier. It prevents people from getting close to God. It grieves him. It worries him. It bothers him. He doesn't want us separated and distant. But when he smells that offerings there in the temple, it brings him peace. Because he says, now I can invite you. I can welcome you to come into my presence and it brings him pleasure, and it brings him peace, because now we can get close and intimate with him. And so this is what happened in the house of the Lord. It enabled people who were separated and far away to come close and be intimate with God. Isn't that exactly what Yeshua did? The whole picture is there for us. The good news, the gospel, exactly what then Yeshua would take care. In, in Hebrews 10, by this we've been sanctified through the offering, there's the word offering, of the body of Yeshua, Messiah, once for all. For by one offering he's perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And I got a little arrow under the two words. There's Kurban. Yeshua is our karban. He's our offering. He's our gift that we bring. And, and he loved us. And he offered himself. He gave himself to be our karban and offering a gift, a sacrifice for us that is a pleasing aroma. Because when he was there at Calvary, the Father was pleased. Our sins that prevented us from getting close, that kept us distant and far away, if we offered them to Yeshua and allowed him to take it, then he placed them on himself, and with that offering it was dealt with. And the Father was pleased. He was at peace. Because now people from all time can come near and be intimate. And what is it says in Hebrews 7? We can draw near to God through Yeshua. That's what happened. Yeshua is our Kaban. We were all separated. We had that barrier. But he's the gift that brings us into the presence of God and brings God peace and pleasure. He wants us to be there. That's why he's done all this and provided he wants that intimacy and closeness with every one of us. And then even, he's our kaban that we bring, our offering. But John 4 kind of shows me the, uh, maybe this, the opposite angle. Yeshua speaking to a lady, said, if you knew the gift of God and who's standing here in front of you, Yeshua was, I'm God's gift to you. 
He's God's kurban and gift to us. He's our gift that allows us to come. God has a gift for you, for all of us. Yeshua, He is the gift that makes us God's friend and allows us to come into His presence close enough to be intimate with Him. We saw the furniture in the temple, the tabernacle before that, provided fellowship and food. And that's exactly what Yeshua, in Mark 2, the scribes and Pharisees, they saw what was Yeshua doing? Eating with people, even sinners and tax collectors. While on earth, when Yeshua was here, he got together and ate with people. And when he ate, he also had conversation. They shared life together, fellowship. They got to know one another. That's what he did when he was here. He took time out to just interact and to eat and fellowship with people. That's his heart, to get intimate and close and get to know us. You don't invite people you hate over for dinner. You don't. You invite friends or those that you want to become your friends, that you'd like to get to know better and share life with and share experience with. And so that's what Yeshua did. And then a sample of scriptures all point into the future. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast or banquet. And so food in the future. As well, feast. And wedding, we talked about intimacy. Not just some casual friend that you happen to pass by and see and you barely know their name. Wedding, as intimate as it gets. That's what he's talking about. That's the kind of relationship he desires. Grant that you can eat and drink at my table in the kingdom. And then Revelation 3.20, I love, look, I stand at the door and knock. He's seeking us out. He's knocking at our doors. He's not waiting for us to show up. He comes after us. And he comes to our house and he knocks on our door, hoping that we'll open the door and invite him in. So we can sit down in the kitchen at the table and eat with him, drink with him, talk with him and get to know one another. This is what he desires. This is why he went to Calvary. Because this is what he wants with us. And so have you exchanged gifts with God? You're giving gifts to family and friends. But God desires to exchange gifts with us. And it's interesting, as I mentioned, Yeshua is both God's karban or gift to us and Yeshua is our karban that we give to God. But there's one last thing just to show you about this word karban. The root word karav, when used as a noun, means battle, war, and fight. It also, in the scriptures, is translated battle, war, and fight. The same word, offering and gift. 
can be used battle, war, and fights. Charles Ryrie, a, a Bible teacher, uh, he said this about Romans 12 that talks about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice and renewing our minds or changing the way we think. And he says Paul urges us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice that's acceptable to God. And he says, what does this mean in practical terms? Present our bodies, offer our bodies. He says Paul's using the sacrificial language. He's bringing the attention to the people. Remember the sacrifices. Remember the kurban, the offerings done at the temple. Think about that. And he said he's urging us to set aside our stubborn wills, our wayward flesh, our self-censored ego, and to force them to submit to the commandments of God, to get into a battle after we offer our gift Yeshua, to God, we're invited and welcomed into the Father's presence. That's it. We're welcome. But God says there's more. Yes, I'm welcoming you in, but I still have more to do in our relationship. And we see here that this is it. There is, our bodies are to be a living sacrifice, and in Hebrew, karban chai. Chai, living, life but a sacrifice. So we're to offer ourselves as a sacrifice, but we actually get up off the altar. We don't die there like the animals did in the temple. We don't die like Yeshua did at Calvary. We go to the altar that has no fire. Well, at least no physical fire. And unlike the temple offerings in Yeshua, we don't die on that altar. We're still alive, we come off, but we need to renew our minds, change the way we think. What does that mean? We, we need to let our thinking die on the altar, our ways of thinking. We get up off the altar physically, but the way we think, our will, we need to leave them there and let them die. Like Yeshua, we need to say, not what I will, not what I desire, but let your will be done. God, take my will, my desires, and leave them here on this altar. They're my karban, my offering to you, and kill them. And Paul says, if you're living by the power of God's Spirit, you are habitually putting to death the sinful deeds of the body. Consistently. And so we've got to keep going back to the altar and taking our flesh, taking our thinking, our will, and offering them to God on the altar and allowing Him to change the way we think. We need to offer them to God and let Him put them to death, our flesh and our human way of thinking, and embrace His will and his thinking, renew our minds, get a brand new mind instead. And so, have you accepted Yeshua, God's gift to you? Very simply, have you offered Yeshua as your karban so that you can draw near to God? And do you regularly engage in a karban, a battle with your flesh and mind? and bring it to the altar and let 
it die so that you can prove that the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so this month, as you're physically exchanging gifts with friends and family, make sure you're exchanging gifts with God. Bring in your will, your flesh, your thinking to Him. And if you do, you'll see that His will and His mind really is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so, Lord... Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the picture you paint in Leviticus with the offerings and the temple and the tabernacle. Thank you, Lord, that the furniture shows us it's a home and even a kitchen. And that you desire to share food and fellowship with each and every one of us. And you don't just sit around waiting to see who'll come to you, but you come to us. And you knock on the door, and you hope, and your desire is that we will open the door and allow you to come in. Father, I pray for us here in this room and for those watching on Facebook that, Lord, we've all opened the door and invited you in. And that we'll share food and fellowship. That, Lord, we will pursue the closest, most intimate relationship possible with you. Help us, God. Stir our hearts that we would pursue that and want that more than anything else. And, Lord... Help us to remember it's not over when we've brought Yeshua as our carbon to you, but that regularly throughout the rest of our life, we need to offer our flesh, our will, our thinking on the altar and engage in battle because the enemy doesn't just give up and surrender. Help us to be willing to battle, to defeat and kill the flesh and the old ways, the worldly ways of thinking, so we can experience your will, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.